Kaba is only spread through direct human contact. Now, you said that yourself, Sam. I know what I told you, but now I'm telling you we're facing a new strain. It spreads like the flu. Impossible. Fine. Go to the hospital, check it out yourself. Go without a mask, you'll see more clearly. You gotta isolate the sick, and I mean really isolate them, Billy. We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. We're doing that, Sam. No, we're not doing it because I just drove through 100 people. And if one of them has got it, then 10 of them have got it. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, Billy, then we're in deep fucking shit. Did you do it? I did it. I went and gone done it. You went. You went. You went and gone done it. Yeah. That's a. That's a new one. I like that one. You went and gone done it. I'm just currently trying to um, arrange my windows so that I can see all of. Nope, that's not what I wanted to do. Are you on Windows <laughs> 95 or what? Oh, you know it, bro. Is there <laughs> any other option? That's my question. That is it. Windows 95, NHL 95, Dance Mix 95. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, everything ended in the year 1995. I was 11. Hormones were raging. What a year. <laughs> Not, yeah, yeah. I guess I would have been 11 as well. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, what I, a special year. I, I don't the know raging if I had, hormones. I don't know if I had hormones then, but... <laughs> I, I think You're I, getting started. I'm trying to remember if I... <laughs> This is a weird, weird thought, but I think it was maybe grade six as I was still wearing sweatpants or something. And, <laughs> you know, it's kind of that age where you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear sweatpants to school just because you never oh, know yeah. what, uh, what might happen. <laughs> you, you never know. Uh, yeah. That's, well, what that's you know all you need to say. That's your manhood when sweatpants <laughs> are no longer acceptable in public. Right. Except Some people now I do that. it, but... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm calling you out, I guess. Oh, man. I've got some pair of sweatpants that just embarrass the crap out of my wife. They're, like, a bit too short, so they just kind of, like, sit around my ankles. And right. So <laughs> the odd time I'll accidentally wear them out to run an errand or something. But yeah. <laughs> Air quotes, accidentally. You're right. <laughs> um, because, yeah, you're, you're supposed to wear those things out to run errands as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> if you're wearing them, you better be embracing the fact that you're wearing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they're a bit revealing, too. So you add those two things <laughs> together and it's just like Well, this, <laughs> this is a conversation I did not anticipate having uh, when recording this episode. So before it goes too far down that rabbit trail, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. That guy's Aaron. My name is Aaron. Here I am. That's you. There you are. In, I would say live and in the flesh. But uh, I, I am mean, a, over here. I am over there. Yeah. For me, I see you on a screen. Is, I'm waving at you. That is as live as it's gonna get. And he doesn't wave back. You oh, know, that's sorry. like the. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I feel like that's like the equivalent of. You know, someone going up for a high five and then you just not reciprocating. Yeah, sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? But, but it's <laughs> another, another, just a ran, another random story about waving. So sometimes <laughs> when I'm driving and, like, you know, someone's, like, crossing the street, pedestrian or whatever, like, instead of just kind of giving them a friendly wave, I'll just kind of keep waving. And it just drives my <laughs> wife crazy because she just thinks it's so condescending. And she's just like, why do you keep waving at them? They just think you're, like, making fun of them. Like, I just like a longer Because I wave. am making fun of them. <laughs> well, partially it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> so anyways. That's fair. 
Yeah, just that awkward. The condescending, like, hey, are you going (laughs) to be done walking slowly in front of me? (laughs) That's that's fantastic. Um, Anyways, this episode, we're calling this one the quarantine scene because... Uh, we decided to do something a little bit fun. I suppose I could bring it up on Twitter. As I say, it was suggested. I mentioned it in our last episode as to who it was suggested by. Um, but it was suggested that we do an episode where we talk about albums that we think people should discover and, uh, you know, kind of hear for the first time, I guess you could say, um, while maybe stuck inside, while maybe stuck in quarantine. I'm I'm stalling while I try to find who the tweet was from. It was Mr. Oh, Jordan, Jordan Kellerman. Jordan Kellerman, yeah, at Jojo Flow Twenty Five. So, Jojo, there you go. So yeah, he said, "Hey, you should do this episode where you kind of introduce more bands." And I thought that would be cool, uh, but let's like make it even bigger. And so we're gonna go bigger here. Um, I'm not sure at, at, as we record this exactly how this is gonna play out, but I we both reached out to a number of different artists and podcasters and said, "Hey, would you like to be a part of this?" And the response was pretty overwhelming. There were a lot of a lot of artists and podcasters that were like, "Yes, we want to be a part of this," and sent stuff and sent stuff in. So all I can say is for sure, it's a two-parter. Um, so if you're listening to this part on the day of release, uh, just wait. Uh, there there will be more, even more coming. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna share each of us three albums. Uh, that we think people should discover. Now, the whole point of this episode is to introduce you to new music. So you don't need us. You don't need myself. You don't need Aaron to introduce you to, you know, bands like Blink-182 or, you know, bands like uh, Green Day or, you know, like those bigger bands that we've, I mean, we haven't covered Blink yet, but like those those bigger bands that we've covered yeah. and whatnot. We, you, don't, you don't need us to introduce you to them. So the idea here is more stuff that we think is maybe underrated that uh, there's a there's a better chance that people don't know that we're going to share. Um, so that's what we're going to do, and that's what we got other podcasters and uh, musicians to share as well. Some pretty great guests that'll be featured. But first, before we get into kind of the episode, uh, I got to ask, man, like, what what is life like right now in Saskatchewan? Well, that's where you live. Yeah, that's a it's a good question. I, I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I mean, thankfully, I can still work out of my office. There's only two of us there currently, so um, and there's two different floors, so usually I have the, the upper floor to myself. So I'm very thankful for that. I have a place I can go and and work in peace. And I yeah, I feel like I would go crazy if I was trying to get anything done around the house with the kids <laughs> running around. And yeah, so I feel for all you out there that are trying to still work hard and get things done and keep up with things around the house and. Plus, I like, I mean, sometimes I like working from home, like when the kids are in school. Um, but sometimes it's just really distracting. So it's like, ooh, maybe I'll just sure. take a little drum break or, you know, oh, I got access to all these snacks or whatever, right? It's just, <laughs> so yeah. it, it's nice once in a while. But if I have to do it for a month or however long, I think yeah. that might be a bit much. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went downtown today to, to run some errands and it's, pretty bleak down there like go to the bank yeah, and man. everyone's wearing gloves and asking you questions about what you need and making right. sure you're not <laughs> coming there or whatever and god for god forbid they ever ask you questions of what you need hey <laughs> <laughs> well it's just is there like, any way i can help you today 
Well, no, they're just like, like, what do you, you know, they want to see if you're doing, you know, like a business deposit or whatever. Because right. if you're just <laughs> getting cash or something, they'll just tell you to use the ATM. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Like, and so, <laughs> isn't it typical for a bank to ask you what kind of deposit you're making? Well, I, I mean, see what you're saying. Like they, they actually yeah. have staff like waiting at the doors when at you the walk doors, in. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it's just a weird. I mean, I'm just not used to it. So it's just a weird feeling. You're just gonna. Makes me think I'm in like some you know, like protected country or something or yeah I don't know it's weird man like as of right now here um, they th- this is as of when we're recording this could very well change by the time this episode comes out in fact I kind of think it will change by the time this episode comes out but as of recording uh, on March twenty fourth twenty twenty yeah right now we're like I mean we could still work. Like, it's still all kind of normal. Like, obviously, like, the restaurants and bars and that kind of stuff has all changed. But, yeah. like, they haven't they haven't shut down, you know, the... It's not to the point where, you know, it's only essential businesses or whatever are running or... Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, um, it's still pretty normal. Like, my workplace, it's kind of reduced hours in the sense that you're only, you don't need to be there for the full day. You only need to be there for as much time as it takes you to get your work done. Uh, if you want to work from home, you can work from home. Um, but yet it, it, there hasn't been anything put in place yet where it's like, nope, you have to stay home. Um, so, you know, I go to work for a few hours a day. I stay home in the morning right now and I kind of help around the house cause obviously children aren't in school. And so we're, you know, dealing with that and dealing with life and what that looks like and trying to maintain some kind of, uh, routine and whatnot. But yeah. for the most part, yeah, I kind of, I get to still kind of go about and, uh, do my thing for work each day, but yeah, it's 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 this really weird driving to and from work is this really weird thing where it's like, um, hold up, we may have to start this again. It's like trying to figure out if this is actually recording or not. Oh no, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficulties. It's still going. I was I was worried for a second there. I was like looking at the wave file, being like, why isn't it? Why isn't it still going? Um, so, anyways, what I was saying was, yeah, like so. Like work is the commute is so much shorter right now because there's less vehicles on the road. Oh, they yeah. did just announce today that like all the parks and playgrounds and stuff here are closed. Yeah, same um, here. yeah, and that's I mean that was to be expected. This past weekend was insane because like people can't do anything right now, so everyone was like, "Oh, it's nice out. Let's just go outside, right?" And so everyone went to the parks, and it was just like crowded. And we're like, "Well, that kind of defeats the purpose." <laughs> yeah, thankfully the park right by our place has lots of trees that are that are easy to climb, so we still there's a nice walking path, and so we just skip the park yeah. and just find trees and throw sticks and paint on the sidewalk and stuff. So yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, no, it's weird. It's like it's like the park is right there. No, you can't go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know like Ontario and Quebec right now they've shut down like any non-essential work and stuff like that. Like it's basically. I think, like, from what I understand, grocery stores, gas stations, emergency first responders, like, that kind of stuff is right. the only people going to work. Like, my wife went to Costco today, and she had to wait in line outside uh, because they're only allowing, I think it's 200 people in at a time sort yeah. of deal. So so she had to wait out. But she also said at the same point it was the most, like, relaxing, uh, calm Costco experience she's ever had. So She just took her you know, time, was in there for hours, just making other people <laughs> wait because... Just making people wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, on Saturday yeah. I went by a grocery store and there was a lineup and it was pretty cold here Saturday morning. I was like, oh, I don't yeah. feel like standing up there for half an hour. So <laughs> I just went to a different store and it was they didn't have any lineups. So. 
Right. Just depending on so, the size. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're we're going to talk obviously a little more about COVID and all the fun around that because that's kind of the basis for this episode. But before we get into that, this this can kind of I guess count too. Have you been listening to any like new music? Lately, because we tend to talk about a lot of old music, but music is still happening, right? Yeah, yeah, and there's been uh, some good stuff coming out. So, um, for singles, and I don't necessarily check out a lot of singles um, unless it kind of catches my attention. I still like waiting for an album. Um, but singles by Northcote, who, if you don't oh, know yeah. who they are, you should go check them out. Um, and then also a band called Broadside put out a new single, and they're uh, like a pop punk band. That was on Victory, and I listened to them, didn't really catch my attention. Uh, they've signed with a different label, looks like they might even have a different lineup. And the new song they mm. put out was, was really good, it really caught my attention, so looking yeah. forward to some of that. Um, for Full Lengths, a band called The Fizz Gigs. Ah, uh, uh, you're stealing my thunder, but go on, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, yeah, I... Well, even just uh, tonight as I was, my kids were just having some quiet time reading their rooms, and so I was just sitting in their room, and... So I put the album on. I was like, man, I'm really enjoying this. I, I checked out like their video and a few clips before, and uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a really fun album. It's, I mean, it's a simple pop punk album, but it's simple in a good way. Um, there's yeah. still enough going on that it, that it's exciting and so cool band. Go check them out. Um, some ex members of a band called Belvedere, which is a yeah much loved punk band in Canada and around the world. So. I think one day we'll talk about them at some at some point in time. Yeah, well, I had, I had done an interview with Steve from Belvedere, and I forgot yeah. to, or I had some, yeah, some yeah, issues. Technical so. issues. But um, before you yeah. move on, I just want to say this is what I, this is how I described uh, the Fizz Gigs new album. We are the Fizz Gigs. Uh, <laughs> a, it's it's impossible to like. I was try I tried multiple times with my like Amazon Echo or whatever to get it to play. I'm yeah. like, hey, uh, Alexa. Play We Are the Fizz Gigs by the Fizz Gigs and then play something random. Alexa, play We Are the Fizz Gigs. <laughs> like I could not get her to play the Fizz Gigs. Yeah, it's but, not um, a very convenient album to get uh, Yeah, play by but speaking. I said if you if you like your pop full of power and your rock bred with punk, then the new record from the Fizz Gigs is for you. It reminds me a little bit or a lot at times of actually CJ Ramon. Just in like the overall vibe, but being more lighthearted, I think, than CJ Ramon. Maybe taking themselves a little less serious, but just the, the kind of sound uh, on some of those songs. Just that sort of straightforward driving, like mid-tempo punk sort of thing. Um, at times, it reminds me of like Weezer on Speed. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty I had, good stuff. I heard hints of uh, Alkaline Trio, too, and just some of the sure. melodies. And, um, yeah. you know, how again, it's a simple band, but they know how to, how to make it interesting, so... Um, yeah. yeah, and then still, still rocking some uh, of the new Silverstein, new Four Year Strong, Polaris. Right. Um, I've actually gone back to that Thief Club EP, which I'm really liking. Right. So yeah, yeah, lots, lots of good stuff. Yeah, there is a lot of good stuff. So as I said, I was going to mention uh, the Fizz Gigs. They're actually from Calgary too, which is rad. Um, so you know, fairly close to home. And a couple other things that I've been listening to. So oh, I want to save that one for last because it has been fantastic. I just can't figure out what the other one was what it's called um oh there we go race car blues by slowly slowly i don't know how i kind of missed out on this one it's it's only been out for a few weeks like i think it came out in the end of february but 
I don't remember any sort of hype around it or anything, and so I'm not 100% sure how it came across my radar. It may have shown up on my like Apple Music, you know, m- new music playlist, and I was like, what is this? And then checked it out and went, okay. Especially like, I mean, the, the record reminds me a lot of um, the band The Dangerous Summer. They kind of have a similar yeah. sort of vibe that automatically makes you feel nostalgic, even though it's brand new music. Um, but it's also... I don't know, the first song, just the way it kind of builds upon itself, I think is so, so rad. And it hooks me right from the beginning. The other one that there has been a lot of hype around um, is actually the new record from Hot Mulligan, um, which is called, I should have had this up, You'll Be Fine. This, I'd listened to Hot Mulligan in the past. This record blows it out of the water. Ooh. Like it is beyond good. And the fact that I think it came out, when did it, did it come out the same week as... Um, four Year Strong. It came out March 6th. When did Four Year Strong come out? Uh, it was right around. Four Year Strong might have been the week after, maybe. Yeah. Why is my, f- why is my uh, phone? It might like have this? been in the end of February. Or was it? Maybe first week of March. I can't oh, remember. Oh, Four Year Strong. There we go. I found it. Four Year Strong came out February 28th. Oh, so Four okay, Year Strong yeah. actually came out the same day as Slowly, Slowly. Maybe that's how I missed it. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. as soon as Brain Pain came out, I was hooked, which obviously yeah. we've talked about Brain Pain, but. Um, yeah, we just thought we'd cover, talk about maybe some newer stuff we're listening to, uh, because most of the time we talk about old music. We are, you know, old dudes who like the music we grew up on, but we also like other music, right? Yeah, so, definitely. Um, including new music. So that's going to bring us to what we're going to talk about. The quarantine scene. Um, the idea, as I mentioned, is, you know, you may be stuck inside uh, for a long period of time, you, you know, not getting to see your friends as much, that kind of stuff. So why not take that time to listen to some new music, discover some new music? So we reached out, found some people who said, yeah, we got some stuff we'd like to talk about. So we, uh, the idea, I haven't listened to all the audio that's been sent in yet. The idea is to discuss three albums that you think were kind of underrated or what have you. They're not all punk. I can say that there's a good heavy dose of punk rock, but there is kind of some variety. Um, so, you know, you'll get to get into that as we, um, as we talk and then as we get our guests to talk. But so I don't know how you want to do this. If we want to just kind of go back and forth yeah. one album at a time. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. So why don't you fire away with your first record that you, you would like to suggest to the, uh, masses of growing up punk family members that that's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Socially no, like distant it. family members. Yeah. Like my second cousin, Gary, you just kind of only, only see him when he needs something. <laughs> just kidding I don't have a, a second cousin Gary but <laughs> he's a first cousin <laughs> he's my dad he's your dad <laughs> and your second cousin things just got weird <laughs> uh, yeah I'm from a small town uh, yeah I get it <laughs> anyways, I, I don't even know how that would be possible but <laughs> uh, we could we could I mean we could figure out the family tree <laughs> all right that tree has already been used for firewood so let's move on <laughs> All right, my first album is by a band called Far From Heroes and their album Betrayed You With a Kiss. Passover 
This is a band that I originally met when they came and played in Dauphin, Manitoba, and the band I was playing in, we opened for them. They just seemed like uh, such a professional and awesome-sounding band to a guy like me at that time. Who knows if they were or not, but in my mind, they were super pro. They were touring <laughs> on their EP, It's Only Me You Lose, which was chock full of pop-punk gloriousness in the vein of Newfound Glory, Blink-182, and I listened to that EP a ton. So a few years later, when my band started touring, we played with them a few times out east in Ontario, uh, which is where they were from. At this point, they had put out this album, Betrayed You With A Kiss. So I first heard these songs in Dauphin with my friend Jess, um, because the singer Lee from Far From Heroes had sent him some songs. So Jess was a photographer, and I think had taken pictures of them or something. That was his connection. The first song I heard was Ashes, and I was completely blown away. I'm sure this situation happened with lots of people back when, you know, when the internet wasn't around. So you'd listen to a band you love, and you kind of wouldn't hear for a while. And then they would put out new music, and you'd kind of expect one thing, and then you put it on, and it was something, you know, they kind of matured or changed their sound a bit. And uh, so that was that was the same for, for Far From Heroes. And typically I don't like when bands do that. Um, I mean, with, within, uh, you know, a certain realm. Um, but yeah, they had just they had changed their sound a bit, and it had caught me off guard. Um, yeah, so the band had built on their solid and catchy songwriting from their previous EP, but their new music had taken a much more serious overtone to the record, with a darker and more dramatic feeling to the songwriting. It's evident on this album lyrically that they were going through some stuff in their personal lives, and some major changes were going on with them, um, and so that was kind of confirmed, and so... I'm kind of spoiler alert. I did an interview with these guys, um, so it will be coming out sometime. So I don't want to spill the beans on on a bunch of info. I'll wait till then. But um, yeah, this in, this album continues to to catch my ear and intrigue me in new ways with each listen. Uh, this is a piece of music that I never get sick of listening to, and I think it's a dynamic record, especially for a band that wasn't very big and hadn't got a, a lot of exposure. And uh, so I always love always love that with bands that. Um, well, they just kind of catch you off guard and in, 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 yeah, and in a good way, right? Where you kind of put it on and it's like, whoa, like this is, this is different, but I immediately yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing the name Far From Heroes. I don't know if I ever saw them. I'm trying to remember because like when I put it on, it didn't immediately, like it, it didn't immediately catch me. I didn't recognize it. And I mean, it's from, this record's from 2004. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned, you know, kind of your band playing shows with them. And so around that same time. So I'm trying to remember if in fact I saw them or not, because the name is definitely uh, one that's, that's familiar to me, but um, yeah, putting it on, I was like, yeah, okay. It, it definitely has a sound, like a similar sound to, you know what was coming out at that time um but uh yeah no i thought it was i thought it was a good little a good little jam if i do say so myself yeah it's i i like i can't think of a lot i mean there's bands like alkaline trio like we mentioned where they kind of you know draw on the more darker side of pop punk right but i just think it is something really cool of of taking something that's not poppy but still kind of making it poppy in a way that's 
not uh, not poppy. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot of poppies, but you know, it's, it's just like, it's catchy yeah. and hooky, but not in your typical way. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it definitely isn't like it doesn't have that overproduced sort of vibe going on with it. Um, but yeah, so what which songs did you say stood out off that record? Um, yeah, so I, I didn't uh, didn't go through those yet, but um, oh, he's not there yet. Okay, yeah. sorry, I'm I'm jumping ahead. So I also um, for for two of the bands I'm going to talk about, um, I actually asked them just to just to briefly touch on a few that um, so they didn't send in uh, like the rest of the the bands kind of thing. But I just asked them just to just to touch on a few. Um, so this is from Scott, the guitar player um, and one of the main writers. So. Wh- his three favorite songs on the album are Ashes, so that's the opening track that was the first one I heard. Uh, he said, this is the song that kickstarted this record and its direction. Incredible harmonies, great groove, tempo to rock to on stage. The second one he said is, if she could if she could do the same. So it's got, so what's cool about this song is it's got two different time signatures in it, which is pretty unique for, for kind of a pop right. punk band. So the verses are in 3-4 and the chorus in 4-4, four, four, which maybe to some people means okay. nothing. But after I went back and listened, I was like, oh, like it's just kind of one of those things I didn't really pick up on. Yeah. But then when I'm I knew curious. I went back to listen, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'll say I'm curious to go and listen now because like, that's not necessarily – I enjoy things like that. But if it's done, like I didn't notice it on listening. So sometimes it's obvious when a band has right. you know, time signature changes and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and other times it's not so obvious. And so I, I'm curious to go back and listen to that and see kind of what it does for the feel of the song. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so he says about if she could do the same, uh, that it's some of the best guitar work on the record. It's got a rockin' bridge and the chorus is catchy as hell. And his third <laughs> one is Say a Prayer, probably the heaviest song on the record. Love the guitar riff into the intro and verses, great chorus. Um, Jer, one of the band members, brings in the bridge by himself. So fun to play live. I just thought it was cool to hear from the bands themselves, kind of what stood out to them, because it's yeah, you know, um, yeah. That's, so that's kind of cool. So Ashes was one of my songs as well. It was the first one I heard, and yeah, like I said, it just I, I loved how it just caught me off guard, and and just a great way to start the album. And my second song off of there is I'd Tell You, um, but I would have to kill you. And that intro with the drums and simple riff just <laughs> just gets me right <laughs> off the bat. Um, I love yeah. the dynamic on this song. The verses rein it in a bit, and then it goes full throttle on the chorus, which is super catchy. One of my favorite choruses on the album, and there's a lot of them. Uh, lyrically, this song touches on dealing with the struggles of dealing with the skeletons in your closet and how it will keep eating away at you unless it's dealt with and the pain that comes with these types of things. And my third song is Tallest Tale. I just love how catchy the guitars are on this album and the song, but in a dark and brooding way. So good. And there's lots of spiritual undertones on this song, and there's more about that in in the interview. Um, And so it just kind of talks about the inner toil that happens when fighting with ideals related to faith and spirituality. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots on this record that you might pick up with with it being called The Trade You With A Kiss. Um, Right. It's kind of a common story that even if people don't, don't know the Bible, you know they might know that story about you know Jesus story. being betrayed yeah. by Judas, and and there's a lot there's a lot of that on this album. So I'm excited for people to hear the interview because they kind of talk about that and what was going on, and 
And, Are you uh, like pressuring me to put the interview out? It sounds like you're like, dude, just get the no, interview no. out. <laughs> I, no, just so just so people know it's coming, and I'm not just pulling it is, stuff out of the it air. It is coming. Yeah, Aaron. Um, Aaron is like, Aaron is an interview beast who just hunts them down. And so there there are a few that are in the uh, in the old bank right now. So um, yeah, they'll 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 get out eventually. We're just we just keep on trucking, just you and I though. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, this album really stands out. Because of that, like when you listen to it, um, you, you you know, I like that it makes you think of something. So when I've listened to it, it's like, well, I know they're not a Christian band, but right. a lot of the lyrics are kind of pulling from different things that that I know to be from, you know, Bible stories or whatever. And so it was really intriguing just to hear kind of how they put that into the music. And, and did, uh, I'm just so curious. Like, did you did you guys tour with them out west at all? No, not that I know. I'm just trying to like, they yeah, toured, just trying they to f- toured out west a, a number yeah. of times. So, because the name every time you've mentioned it, I was like, yeah. And then I wasn't sure if it was just in the back of my head because uh, just it, you know, being a band that was around in the scene. But now that you point out that they're Canadian, I'm like, no, I'm sure. Like I must have heard of them through like local scenes and what have you. And I mean, maybe maybe I did see them at some point in time. And, yeah. Uh, just kind of just kind of forgot because there's there a, a band i was trying to think of the other day that i was like ah oh, i can remember seeing them once or twice when we were talking about the used because they reminded me of the used and yeah. i can't for the life of me think of their name and i'm like there's a chance you played shows with them but what what can you do yeah so. well they were on a west coast based label called spawner records okay. i'm not sure if uh, you're familiar with that no. or not but so they were out that way quite a bit yeah yeah so that's possible i'm sure i just heard the name as it went around but uh yeah so far from heroes betrayed you with a kiss aaron says go listen to it is that right yeah well i've been i mean <laughs> no i shared i shared all that to say no don't listen to it <laughs> i've been listening to that album for 16 years now and it's still every time I, say- I go back to it it's it's always so oh you good. said 16 years i thought you said 60 that's like <laughs> your math 60 is 60 years this man has yeah. been yeah ruining my life um, yeah. So, <laughs> did you did you have any other notes on yeah, that record? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Go check it out. So, something interesting for me is that so you mentioned that you know you asked them to provide you know just some insight into some of the songs or to pick some of their own favorites or what have you. I very well could have done the same thing for my first record on the list, but instead I did just get a guy from this band to submit his his three fa- or his three quarantine records or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, the first album that I want to talk about actually came out in, it's a couple years older than your record. It came out in 2001. It's uh, No Motives Diagram for Healing. <laughs> No Motive is a band that um, 
I mean, they've they've come up a few times on the show. Obviously, uh, had an interview with Roger Camaro of No Motive, you know, a few months back. Um, and spoiler alert, he is going to be he's a part of this whole thing as well. He's got his records that he's going to share with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, and so this record specifically, when I had Roger on before, we were talking about their record and the sadness prevails, which just celebrated 20 years. Uh, so this record specifically, though, was actually at the time. I, if you would have asked me, what's your favorite record? This was it. When it was out, cool. this yeah, this was the album that was at the top of my list. And it's funny because No Motive was never really a band. Like I, when listening to your interview with Rob Kucherek of Autopilot Off, he had mentioned, you know, oh, there was they were kind of always viewed as like the band's band, right? Like they were always opening yeah. for all these other artists, and you know they would do their own headlining things, but it would be much smaller. And I feel No Motive was kind of the same. Yeah. In that respect, they signed to Vagrant Records, which was in the early 2000s, obviously was huge with, you know, acts like the Get Up Kids and Dashboard Confessional, just to kind of name, you know, a couple. They signed before all those artists, but then almost kind of got lost in the shuffle, I think, yeah. with Get Up Kids, something to write home about coming out and, uh, you know, eventually Dashboard Confessional and stuff and like just blowing up in that regard. And No Motive just kind of got left behind a little bit. And this record, though, I mean... It's one of those ones. I have a few records that as soon as I put it on, I'm in a very specific place listening to it. Um, I can picture, you know, being in that place. And this is one of them. And, uh, but yeah, a few of the songs off this record that have always stood out to me is one, Celebrate, which is the opening track. I just like the way this album opens. Like as soon as it kicks in, it's full steam ahead, which isn't necessarily what No Motive is, you know, like they, they were always kind of a band that, um, that played with different tempos and dynamics and whatever. But yeah, this first one, it's just like the drums are just bah, 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 just like going or whatever. And yeah. the guitars are just kind of hitting these big open chords. And then it just sort of all comes back together and then takes off from that first verse. And it's, I mean, it's a great way to kick off the album. It's full of energy, full of optimism. I find in the lyrics, unless I'm like missing something, it's very possible that he's like <laughs> the, the chorus about celebrating is, is more, <laughs> you know, it could be more cynical. I don't know. Just when I hear it, I'm like, yes, that's what I kind of picture. Um, another track, it was hard to pick three tracks off this record. Yeah, I um, found the same with, with, with mine. So Yeah, but like the song Get a Life, um, I just love like the guitar riff into the intro because uh, it kind of does one riff into another riff. Um, it's super catchy, you know, mid-tempo pop punk song. The chorus always gets stuck in my head. And it just seems to be, you know, a song about the sacrifices made. And maybe you can speak to this. Uh, to pursue your dreams of being a band on the road, right? Like he talks yeah, about, sure. you know, how, oh, you've got to break the bank just so you guys can eat because you're playing, you know, these small shows, living out of a van. But also, like, missing... You know, you're seeing all these things, but missing the people back home that matter to you and whatnot. And it's just kind of this, he's a song where, you know, he's sitting there thinking, you know, should should I get a new life, basically? Like, when you hear the song, Get a Life, my my initial thought is, like, him saying to someone, like, man, get, get off my back, get a life. But he's talking about, you know, I'm missing all these things and all these sacrifices I'm having to make. Is it time for me to get a new life? Is it time to kind of, like, settle down? move on past this and i mean they had a couple more records come out they had another full length and at least one other ep maybe two eps come out after this record so they he didn't obviously quit right then and there <laughs> in writing this song yeah but, um and then the the final song that always stood out to me is born again which is 
the last song on the record and the guitar work on this song again how it starts and then it's got this intro riff and then the verse riff i just it kind of creates like it's i think it's the slowest song on the record but it kind of creates a feeling of closure in the music which again is great because it is the closing song um and the meaning i take from it could be wrong again is kind of moving on from your mistakes in the past and realizing that tomorrow is still ahead of you and i think i had read something somewhere that um pat the singer i think pat's a pat the singer. now i'm questioning myself the singer of the band anyway <laughs> uh no jeremy i think is whatever i didn't look that <laughs> up <laughs> but he um i used to know at one point in time but I read somewhere that this song was actually about how his parents didn't plan to have him sort of thing. Like oh, wow. he was sort of a, a surprise or whatever yeah. and how he was seeing it happen in someone else's life and how it changed their life. But, but it like almost has this like initially kind of, maybe it's the take it's, it's this weird song. If that's the story behind it, right? Like, cause he, he writes it from his, I don't know. I just think it's like looking at anything you've been realizing there's still hope for the future. And I mean, maybe you could tie that into someone getting pregnant and being like, Oh, shouldn't have done that. But then also going like, well, I mean, a child is a miracle sort of thing. Right. Like, right. And seeing, seeing the hope in that. But, um, yeah, all in all this record, I still love coming back to it. The artwork I think is, is pretty great. It's pretty like, it reminds me of a few different records, a few different bands on the label at that time. But yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's it's always been one of those those records that stood out to me. Yeah, I think my favorite song off of that, uh, which wasn't one of yours, I think it was called "Numb." Is that uh, okay? Yeah, I think that's a song. Um, I'm gonna. Which it must have been on a sample oh, or something. That yeah, it's called "Going Numb." But yeah, "Going Numb." Well, yeah, because as I'll soon as it, it <laughs> as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, I know this song." So yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I like a great I, song. No motive is one of those bands where I wonder, like, what. What is it that held them back from going to that next level? Because, I mean, they had a great producer. They worked with Trevor Keith, at least for the album before this one and this album. I don't know if Trevor from Face to Face was involved in their third full length or not, um, which actually may not have. Their third full length on Vagrant, we'll say, because I think they had one or two full lengths before signing to Vagrant. Um, and I'm not sure if he was involved in that last one or not. But, but I mean, like, they... And I, I think the songs, the songs were all really good. I just wonder what... Like if, like what it was that sort of held them back from being, you know, a lot. They got on some good tours and it just never really, same with Autopilot Off, I guess, just never really took that next step, it seems. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of my favorite questions to ask bands when I'm interviewing yeah. them. And it's, I mean, it's sometimes hard to do it and not sound condescending. Right. But <laughs> Why just, do you think you didn't get as far yeah. as you did? <laughs> but it, right, it's just an intriguing, like, why does one band that sounds this more or yeah. less the same right it's just but there's so much so many other aspects that play into I it mean, and that's yeah. just how it goes i think part of it is probably even just like image um because sure, you look yeah. at some bands and i know uh, was it i think it was the autopilot off interview you'd brought up good charlotte and like musically i feel like i mean good charlotte did do something that was a little bit unique in their sound like in that pop punk realm that i think set them apart in like they kind of incorporated a little bit of i don't know if you'd call it rap but that influence was definitely there yeah. in their music which i think set them up but they also had like an image yeah that image was kind of all over the place like yeah. the madden bros like was it benji was like the one with like 
like yeah. 100%, 100% punk rock kid and then you had like the one guy who looked like he should be in a new metal band and then they had like all these different but they almost like it felt like they had these images from all the different like scenes that were peaking at that time yeah <laughs> and so they like you know and and a bit of a unique sound whereas like no motive i think you know this is a great record but you know maybe they maybe they didn't quite have that forward image they all just wore i mean it was standard fare at the time it was like black dickies black shirts was kind of their vibe right but yeah um there's lots know. lots of bands like that you know it seems like the bands that are um I don't want to say actually good, but I mean like bands that <laughs> that are often that are often really talented and gifted. They they care more about the art of the music and creating than they do an image. Unfortunately, you know, media wants the image too, and so lots of times if if it doesn't happen naturally, then it just doesn't happen because yeah, that certain crowd isn't attracted to to that look or whatever. So yeah, yeah again, just just part of part of the machine. Oh, yeah. I would say if you've if you're sitting at home and you're going to be spending a lot of time at home and you haven't listened to Diagram for Healing by No Motive, go listen. This is the great thing about being, you know, self-isolating, quarantine, whatever, just spending time at home these days is that with streaming services, all of these albums that we're recommending are for sure at your fingertips. Yeah. Uh, if you're signed up for any streaming service, could you imagine? It would be so different if this was even like well, what, 10 years ago? So I'll um, burn you a CD and mail it to you if you like it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so here we are. But anyway, let's get into uh, your second record that you want to bring up. Yeah, so I've got uh, a little bit of a, a longer intro on this one too, mostly for these, just for these first two, just because I was really connected with not only the albums but the bands as well, and so just have a bit more, I guess, insight from these two. But um, yeah, so I, I also reached out um, to my buddy Murray, who is the guitar player, and singer of Every New Day. And uh, so this is what he had to say about their album, The Shadows Cast. in time where as a band I felt really close with the guys both in rehearsals and on tour. We rehearsed every single day except Christmas Day. Unless we were playing a show we also did personal practice every day. At the time of writing the way most songs came about were me writing the 
bass riffs, and then Scott and Matt were the bassist and the drummer. Uh, were so instrumental in putting everything together and making everything into a smooth, flowing song. I remember him them talking about this back then as how they all played a really big part in, in forming the songs together, which was pretty cool. Because often it's just whoever's writing the song or the riffs just kind of puts it together and everyone else just kind of adds their parts. Our musical influences were expanding, and I think it came out in our writing. From punk rock to incorporating older rock like Rush and Boston, plus some hardcore type stuff like Killswitch Engage and Comeback Kid. There were also bands like Thrice that were in heavy rotation we listened to. Matt was getting into a bunch of stuff, both heavy and lighter, that influenced him. We also had some classical music influences from the metal we were listening to, like Stradivarius and Children of Bodom. As the album was getting closer to over half done, we wanted to have a complete sounding album where not every song sounds the same, and we tried writing songs with different tempos. And at the time for me, I felt like they were the weaker songs, but now listening back, I'm more proud of them. We tried to add some variety with different time signatures, which we thought would engage the listener and were fun and challenging for us. And I agree with all those all those comments. I think that's why this album has been so crucial for me, because it's not just another melodic, kind of hardcore metal-tinged album. There's, like you said, the, the different influences, you know, from old bands that I don't really know anything about, but now that I go back and listen, I can hear those influences. So that's why I like getting these insight from the band because there's things like that that, you know, I wouldn't just pick out and be like, oh, that's a, a Rush influence. Like, I have no right. context for what a Rush influence would even be. Um, <laughs> so it's cool to hear how how they incorporate that into this kind of a genre. So Yeah. Um, it's interesting, before you, before you continue, that he mentioned kind of almost like throwing it aside, but that Thrice was in heavy rotation. Because when I hear this record, all I hear is the artist in the ambulance. Not like not saying, oh, all I hear is a band ripping off the artist in the ambulance. But there's so much on this record that I'm like, man, this sounds like 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 thrice. There and Every New Day is an interesting band because the first time I saw them, they were basically like a skate punk band. Yeah. And if I recall, like in between every song, almost they like played little like ACDC riffs. Just yep, kind of like probably. as they're like transitioning, yeah. And then the next time I saw them, this record was out or was coming out or whatever. And I was like, what? This is not the same band. But like, it can't be. But um, for sure, yeah, it is. It actually, um, Every New Day is one of the only bands that did any sort of touring that I recall that um, that I, like my any of my bands actually played with. We played a show with Every New Day. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, it was, I, I just, it was one of my favorite shows we ever played. Um, didn't end up trashing our gear but i got we had this like at the end of every set actually um going back to you know when you interviewed uh, sick of change uh, we had a song called these shattered lives and this the song title came from the sick of change album title right and uh, it was sounded very different but it would always end in chaos and that particular show where we played with every new day i just remember my drummer like we were like throwing instruments down and whatever. And he just like leapt over his drums and like <laughs> clotheslined me and like cut me above my eye. And like, people were like coming up to us afterwards and be like, that was insane. And I'm like, yeah, uh, we can't really afford to do this. Like, <laughs> like, I, like a, a okay. crack. I, uh, for whatever reason, I was playing a hollow body guitar and it was like cracked after that show, like all the way around the body of the guitar. <laughs> it was just like, that was a dumb choice. But anyway, every new day. Yeah when you brought this album up, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about this record and put it on. And 
it's one of those records where you, you put it on and you turn it up. And then by the time you're about 30 seconds into the first song, you, you turn it up more. Yeah. And then that song finishes, you get on to the next song and you, you turn it up. Like it's, <laughs> there's a few records where I just feel like it's not loud enough. I just need to yeah. keep going louder. This is for sure. One of them, but, but share your, the, the three songs that you picked off the record. Yeah, and I also, I mean, I, I got so many good things to say about this band, but what's cool about them is we kind of came up, so the band I played in came up at the same time with them, so we would play with them in Winnipeg and, and Dauphin and you know Yorkton, kind of all over. So it was really cool to see the progression of them, but what was always kind of really frustrating about them is they were just always so much better than every other band <laughs> of their peers, like even when they were just like doing the, the kind of like skate tech punk stuff, like they were right. just always, they're one of those bands where every player was just naturally gifted and it just so, came out. And Yeah. Was, was Murray the guitar player? Did you say that? Yeah. Guitar player and yeah. lead singer. So it's, it's interesting to me because there's a parallel I draw between you guys, like means when the first time I saw you guys play and every new day is that both Matt like Matt Good from Means and Northcote, whom you mentioned earlier, um, and Murray from Every New Day, I was just always blown away by the fact that these bands would come with a single guitar player and sound so ridiculously full and heavy. Because like Matt wrote sick riffs too and was able to sing over top of them and just like feel like some bands would show up and they'd have one guitar player and you would you would notice, right? It'd be like, oh, guitar, bass, right. and drums. And you, would, and you would notice there was something missing. Matt and Murray which Matt Murray is the name of an NHL goaltender, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but they, I just remember seeing shows by you guys and by Every New Day and just being like, standing there being like, how do you how do you make your music sound so full with just one guitar player, especially just like, you know, playing these small venues, not a huge, you know, like PA because you're playing a big show. Right. Like the first, the first time I saw you guys play, I was, I did sound for the show and it was in a curling rink, right? Like, playing like small small venues mm. and uh, in fact maybe the first time i saw every new day as like a the what they would eventually become was in the curling rink as well but but anyway yeah just being blown away by just the sick guitar work yeah well and murray was I mean, he was a step like a step above i'm not trying to say matt good wasn't but i mean the riffs on this album are, are a lot more technical than we ever were and you know they had a lot more metal influence and different yeah. things so yeah, it was crazy I also, how we could play that and sing at the same time. I also hope we're confusing people just by dropping Matt Good as a name as if it's, you know, not... <laughs> like like how many people are going, you're talking about like the guy who played Hello Time Bomb? Yes, no, not, that's the not guy Matt, that I played with yeah. a hardcore band. <laughs> not, not Matthew Good. <laughs> no, Matt Good. Look it up. It's it's he, he's, he's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do like Matthew Good too. All right, let's let's keep this going. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were a band that ended too soon, and but I'm glad. That, and they've got an album after it, which is also awesome. However, it's not on streaming. Boo! So if you yeah, need get it, on hit, that. hit me up, and I'll send you a burnt copy, or oh, or you can call mail. me on the phone, and I'll just sing you the riffs or something. <laughs> <laughs> just play it over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hour-long phone call. Let's do this. Mm. All right, so the first song I have is the first track off the album, Break the Mold. A great opener to the album, like we said, and it just gets right to it. The gang vocals start um, start off the song yelling, Take the Reins, an onslaught of speed, aggression, melody, and technicality that is rare for melodic hardcore bands. Now, I couldn't find the lyrics online, and I have the CD somewhere, but I couldn't uh, 
find where it was to actually look at the lyrics for this album. But um, yeah, it seems like they're talking about things in your life that will help to to break you out of the mold that so many people succumb to in life, which is kind of fairly typical for bands in this area to sing about, you know, being different and not fitting into the mold. So there you go. First song, Break the Mold. It's a ripper. It's a ripper. It really is. The second song I have is Ashes Fill the Air. What a dark and broody <laughs> song title. Another, unless, unless uh, are they just sitting around a campfire? That's what I assume. They're just smoking <laughs> lots of cigarettes. Like a uh, nice, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like the idea of them hanging around a nice summer campfire. <laughs> it's like, what's the craziest riff we could do right now? All right. Yeah. This. Um, yeah, they knew how to immediately engage you with their songwriting and dynamics within their songs. There's some really cool timings in this song, like he was, um, like you mentioned before, uh, within the drum patterns and the bass riffs. In the middle of the song, it completely takes a turn with a violin playing with just the drums and then just rips right back into a killer riff. This band incorporated some really unique elements like this into their music, and to me, that's what it made them stand out. So there's a few parts on, on this album where it does that, where it just kind of stops fairly immediately and goes into a different part not so abruptly that it throws you off, but it's just like, whoa, like, what's happening right now? Right. But that's, those are the parts where they're saying, like, they kind of threw those other influences in, which was just so different for any band back then. Like, no other melodic hardcore band was playing violin or, like, slower parts in their songs. The last song I have is Final Breath. And, uh, yeah, same things to be said in this song. Just, you know, killer riffs and drumming. There's an awesome fast double kick part in this song. So when we used to play with them, when they would play this song, I would like throw myself on my back and kick my feet up in the air as Matt was doing the double kick parts, just to just to be <laughs> an ass, I guess. And but it would, it would always make them crack up when they were playing, and so I just like to kind of try throw them off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this song also includes a cool musical bridge that really breaks up the song. Um, yeah, not a lot to add concerning the lyrics on these two, but Murray was a really cool lyricist and and always seemed like he put a lot of thought into the songs he was singing. Yeah, I think the song that stood out for me off this record and always has is "Our Hearts Bleed." Yeah, just when like that, so that yeah, when the gang vocal comes in, I'm just like, "Yep, all right, our hearts bleed" or whatever. I'm like, "All right, let's do this." But yeah, such a such a good record from start to finish, and I'd kind of actually forgotten about it, so. The fact that you brought it up, I was actually super pumped on. So, good record. Good choice, Aaron. Aaron says, if you're in quarantine, listen to this record every new day. Wow, these are these are albums that, I mean, anytime anybody's ever asking something, it's like, go check these out because they're, again, I, I can't remember what year this came out, but it, it's still as good now as it was 15, well, yeah, 10, 15 years ago or whenever. 2005, no. I think. Uh, like what does that. it say? Uh, yeah, 2005, 2005, according to Apple Music, anyway. Yeah, that so, sounds right. So 15 years right. of a pure shreddiness. <laughs> shreddiness. Get your shreddies on. I like shreddies. Now, do you eat shreddies? Uh, I like honey shreddies. Okay. Okay. I, I was like, going to say, my next my next question was going to be, if you do eat shreddies, do you put sugar on them? No, I've never had sugar on any cereal. Well, except that you just you just claim that you like eating sugar well, cereal. That's why that's why you don't put sugar <laughs> on because you're already eating sugar cereal. Right, that's true. But yeah, I <laughs> I never like adding like it just tastes right. nasty to me. Then it just tastes like fake sugar gritty in my uh, teeth. See, I'll well, that's fair. If if it's shreddies, I'll put some sugar on that. 
That's some good business for me. Um, the record that I'm gonna next one I'm gonna talk about actually came out two years prior to Every New Day. Uh, so every time you you mention an old record, I'm like I'm gonna mention an older record. Uh, nice. 2003, yeah, and it's uh, the album Loses Control by Hey Mercedes. <laughs> because this album wasn't one of my original picks for you know my three quarantine records and then out of nowhere i was like man i want to listen to that album and then as i was listening to it i was like oh yeah and that's how this record works for me it's always out of nowhere i'll get this like itch this itch where i want to listen to hey mercedes and i'll put it on now it snuck up on me you know this time and it snuck up on me the first time i heard it i for sure bought it it's it's a record that i bought because of the cover art it's basically just like a guy walking towards the camera and looking back over his shoulder and there's i don't think it's obvious if he's looking at anything in particular it looks like it's a long hallway sort of thing so who knows what he's looking back on but it it was an intriguing cover to me all the same and i was like and i saw again this is another record that was on vagrant records which was probably one of like at the time that these records were coming out like my favorite label that i kind of kept going back to um, and this band actually formed out of the ashes of another band, which was kind of an iconic emo band of the 90s, that being Braid. And one of those members that was in Braid is also in Hey Mercedes was Bob Nana, which was just a great name, Nana. Um, and he's, uh, he's, so he's the vocalist and songwriter. And so that kind of carries over. So there's definitely some similarities between Braid and Hey Mercedes. Uh, but his, his songwriting is one that, I've kind of underappreciated, I think. I have some favorite songwriters that I could like list off and be like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. But Bob Nana is one of those guys where when I listen to Hey Mercedes and anytime I listen to Braid and whatnot, where I'm like, the things he does with his words, uh, which sounds funny to talk about a guy, you know, lyrically or whatever, but yeah, the things he does with his words is what makes him a good lyricist. It's just kind of like he definitely has his own style. You know, there's some guys who are good writers, but... It could maybe be anybody or reflect anybody, whereas Bob Nana, I think, does some pretty unique things. And he's also got this kind of like subdued voice, but like the music is energetic. Like it's even the slower songs aren't like full on like slow jams, really. They're more yeah. mid tempo. Um, but so my, my favorite songs on this record, uh, again, it was another one that was hard to pick. That's kind of the point. But the three songs I picked were first and foremost, uh, Playing Your Song. Now, I don't know why this song first stood out to me 
Um, but I've always loved it. I originally thought it was a song about a guy building up the nerve to go after a girl. But when I look at it closer, it's clearly it appears to be about a guy who is set it or who's seeing multiple girls and trying to keep them all separate, right? Where he's like, you know, he's taking this one girl home. Yeah, taking this one girl home. But meanwhile, he's got another relationship over here and it's all kind of like falling apart, I think. And the whole like the chorus where like, go on, uh, you're watching her walk away. You know, the radio's playing your song. It's like, it sets this scene of like, in a movie, you know, where like the underdog guy who's been looked over, who's trying to finally get that girl's like, you know, amping himself up. Like, the radio's playing my song. I got to say something to this girl and finally gets the nerve to do it, which is why initially I thought that's what the song was about. And then I'm like, wait a minute. These verses are painting a picture of this guy just being like, I got girls. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to keep them all separate. But um, so who knows? Another song that always stood out to me was Knowing When to Stop, which I think is the next song on the record, if I remember. Um, and it's just got like the best way I could describe the vocal delivery on the verses is like a smooth rhythmic delivery. It gets stuck in my head. And the song is a prime example, I think, of Bob's songwriting skills, the way he uses similar words to start the verses or even sometimes the same word like the first verse is left arm left numb is like how it starts and then the second verse he says uh we fund the function um and i'm just like how he's like using these repeating sounds to kind of build on his um his verses and whatever it's just kind of it it helps for it to stick in your head and i always i don't know what the song is about (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even bother to try, but um, the I always just in, was intrigued by the last line in the chorus of, or whatever it was said. The hardest part of play fighting is knowing when to stop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, all I could picture is like, is he like talking about like wrestling with his brother when they were younger kids or something? I don't know. But And then um, the final song on this record that stood out to me, not the final song on the record, but... Uh, the third song I picked is actually uh, unorchestrated, and I, di- I didn't know the name of this song for the longest time until now. Actually, and I looked it up, but every time every time it comes on, I'm always like, "Oh, I really like this song." And it's it's again one of the more mellow ones. It starts with kind of like this bass line that's almost like it's mellow, but almost like haunting, not haunting, but like dark mm. sort of sound that goes with it. But then the song comes in, and you're like, "Oh, it's like doing this thing in the background." And the music up front is just kind of like nice and and it's a beautiful piece of music. And lyrically, as far as I can tell, it's a song about someone dying in a car accident and how it affects the people kind of closest to that person. Um, but yeah, this, this record, again, it snuck up on me in preparation for this. Um, I will say the original record I was going to suggest, which will be like a bonus suggestion, was the album Are, are, we, really, are we Really Happy With Who We Are Right Now by Monine, um, which also was released on vagrant records so that's funny um yeah but um but this one snuck up i was like no i gotta talk about this one because it's it's every time i put it on i'm like dang why why isn't this record in more of a rotation for me because it's it's just that good yeah this is a band that uh that i specifically remember matt um when we were on tour listening to he liked a lot of those those vagrant bands another one was hot rod circuit that yeah that he had on a lot which when you first said hey mercedes i thought it was hot rod circuit and then it wasn't hot rod circuits yeah hot rod circuits good too they were actually one of their album covers was one that popped into my mind when i was describing the no motive cover yeah Um, the girl on the cover they yeah and they were good but i always felt like they lacked something but 
Whereas like for me, yeah, no, anyways, hey, Mercedes, I love them, but continue. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I, I enjoyed listening to this album today. It's uh, kind of in the category of great album when I'm listening to it, but I don't know if I would ever go and choose to listen to it, which there's lots of albums like that just because there's so much music out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It was a pleasant surprise. I was, you know, I had it on at work today and I was like, man, I, this is a, this is a cool album. Yeah. It's, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. it. Like the way you put it there. Well, I mean, I do go out and choose it, but it's not one, like I said, that's always a top of mind. Right. When I'm like, yeah. what do I want to listen to all of a sudden it'll just like come up and be like, Oh, I want to listen to this record. And then I got to listen to it. So it's, it's strange that way. But um, yeah. So what's your, uh, what's your final record? Final one is by a band called Staring Back, and the album is called On. heard this band I'm, I'm pretty sure it was probably on mp3.com so this came out in 2002 so that would probably line up with um both when mp3.com and those kind of sites were, <laughs> were putting because i remember hearing thrice on on that uh, on mp3.com as well and it was right. probably around there um so yeah this this came out the year i graduated um, I, I don't remember if i got the album right away or not um but i do know that i've had some edition of this album um, off and on since then, whether on burned CDs or on an old iPod or on streaming yeah. now. It's a very unique album to me. It definitely fits into the punk, pop-punk era of that time, but just sounds different to me than any other band from them. They incorporate some more technical instrumentation than most of their peers. Um, they've got some more kind of emo-leaning parts in the album while still keeping up the energy um, the rest of the album. Every time I listen to this, I think, man, there's so many cool parts on here, and I always want to listen to it again right after I've listened to it. It keeps me coming back, so that's why uh, this album stood out to me. Yeah, I'd never actually heard of these guys before you mentioned them, um, but I, upon first listen, I was like, okay. like it, it definitely starts, like as the record begins, it's kind of one of those sounds where I'm like, yeah, okay, it sounds like about right for the time, um, but it's also a record for me that, I think just in my brief my brief history with it now, saying like, oh, I want to go back and check it out a little closer. Um, but yeah, I I never never even got like, like caught wind of these guys, heard whispers of their names. So it's it's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah, they were on a smaller uh, record label called Lobster Records, I believe, uh, which had a handful of, of really cool releases on it. Um, yeah, so again, I, I don't remember how I came across this band, but I mean. This album's been out for 18 years now, and so 
you know, if it's a, if I'm still listening to it now, then there's there's something in there, <laughs> you know, yeah. for myself and hopefully for others. Um, so my first song is version 2.0, which is the first song on the album, and this is also the first song I remember hearing on it, and it just instantly hooked me with the chunky guitars, with cool guitar leads and drumming that never stays the same, the same beat for too long, which makes makes this a perfect opening song. Lyrically, it leans into the importance of having people in your life that make you want to be a better version of yourself, which is uh, always always a good thing to to have people around you that don't make you just feel stagnant, but challenge uh-huh. you to be version 2.0 of yourself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second song is Feel Past the Words. Really cool opening guitar riff. Um, there's lots of them on this album. And I, that's why it stands out too, especially for kind of like I said, that the being in the pop punk kind of genre, there's a lot of really cool kind of riffy guitar parts on here yeah. versus yeah. just kind of power chord. Um, you know, e- even lots of times it sounds like they're playing the chords like full chords versus just power chord. Like it just kind of has that more kind of yeah. full sound to it. Um, yeah, it just has a different feel to it. Not your typical um, band of this genre. Um, I love that no parts get stagnant as they switch up um, the parts on this on this song and the album quite often. Uh, not not so much that it confuses the listener, but like I said, it, when I listen to this, I'm like, man, I forgot about this part in this song. Like, that's a really cool way to like in you know add to add to this song. Um, yeah, really interesting overall. So that's why I chose this one. Yeah. It, it was hard to pick three in here because as I was listening to everyone, I was like, oh, this one's got a cool part that I like and. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a difficult practice to do for sure, especially looking at albums that are like, you know, that that you've listened to a ton, right, over time. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's why we think they're underrated because we've listened to them so much and we want other people to enjoy them, and so it's yeah, just yeah, that back and forth. Uh, my last song is Five Years from Now. Um, I can't remember what the rest of the title is. It's kind of a longer title. I think it's, was it Me Five Years From Now? Oh, yeah, Me Five Years mm-hmm. From Now or somewhere else. Oh, yeah, and then it's, yeah, what does it say? Me Five Years From Now. So, oh, it's not moving. It's not scrolling. <laughs> I yeah. wanted it to scroll. Oh, there we go. Somewhere else. That's it. Me Five Years From Now, somewhere else. There you go. <laughs> it is a long title. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, so this one is super catchy and a unique start to this song with soaring melodies and chunky guitars. I love the guitar tone on this record. Um, overall, this is. I actually thought as every time I listen, like this is a really good sounding record for being from 2002. Um, you know, even like last week when we were talking about you know the used and story of the year, like those were those were good sounding records. Um, but you know, for a small band like this to have a record that that sounds so big and full, um, I, I didn't look to see uh, see who produced this album, but. I, yeah. I, I think that's what helps it stand out so much later, right? There's some albums you put on, it's like, okay, this sounds a lot worse than I remember, but for nostalgia region, reasons, I still love it. But this one is like, man, this one still sounds really good. Yeah. Can you tell what the artwork is? It's, it's like a radio speaker or something? Yeah, or I was like trying to figure it out. a shower head or something like that. Yeah, it's something. It's something. Um, but yeah, did you have any other notes on this record? No, that's yeah, that's it. So, Aaron, if well, Aaron is suggesting if you're in quarantine, staring back is the name of the band. The record's called On, and uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth a spin. Um, my final record is actually one that I've been known to say is my all-time favorite album. Uh, this would be the self-titled record from Moving Mountains. I won't say. 
This band is interesting to me uh, because they started out kind of doing like post-rock meets post-hardcore sort of thing uh, that morphed into more of like a, a an all-around thrice type sound, which is great because we mentioned thrice earlier. Uh, and then finally, this record where it got some you know post-rock elements back along with like indie and emo and folk elements. It's kind of got a bunch of different um, vibes to it. To say this record is moody in sound would probably be an understatement. It's definitely a record that I put on um, and immediately I think of like, oh, I just want to be, you know, taking a long drive at night sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely got a vibe to it. Um, so the, the songs that I picked, and this is, this is a record that I probably, not probably, definitely overspent on the vinyl because as I was like falling in love with this record, I was like, oh, I want to, I actually want a, a copy of this on vinyl. And the only one I could find was like, at the time was like 60 some bucks on Amazon. And then shortly after that, I found a pressing that was like 30 bucks. I was like, well, I have it. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. we're good to go. Yeah. But it's also one of those ones where I was like, I don't care. I want this record on vinyl sort of thing. And I think it's going to sound incredible. So, uh, but yeah, the songs that we're going to get into um, that I picked off this record being swing set, which is the first song. And I know as soon as the song comes on, I'm going to be listening to this album from start to finish. Like, there's no choice. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put this song in and, and then move on to something else. If any of like any of these three songs specifically come up, if I'm just like have it on shuffle or something, um, you know, or like whatever, playing your personal radio on Apple Music or what have you, and it comes on, I'm going to be like, stop. I'm going to go listen to this record. And this one, for sure, start to finish, it, it, it signals that to me. Everything just feels so like fleshed out and executed uh, to perfection. And I'm not entirely sure what this song is about lyrically. Um, I know, I think at this time, the singer, the songwriter was talking about moving on because on their previous albums, they covered a lot about the death of a friend and like that took up a lot of his songwriting. Mm. And he spoke, I believe it was this record where he kind of stopped writing about that. He was sort of getting out from beyond that. Um, which is cool, but the feeling I get from this one is just one of the writers saying he's there for someone if they need him. Uh, the song kind of starts mellow, and then 
as it like gets into the course or whatever, it sort of opens up. Like it, um, it just feels like, you know, kind of more energy comes in, more pieces come in and it just comes together. And then it kind of goes back and it, it does this kind of back and forth dynamic thing. But um, yeah, the next song on the record that I want to talk about is actually, as I said, I'd be, a, I've been known to say that this is my all time favorite album. If someone asks me, what is your favorite song of all time? I know there's probably a lot of thought to put into that to actually pick one. But hands down, this is the song I say every single time, and it's the song That's "Eastern awesome. Leaves." Yeah, "Eastern Leaves," um, easily my favorite song of all time. And the bridge melody on this song is actually lifted, at least in my mind. Maybe it's not intentional. It sounds way too similar. Is actually lifted from another one of their songs from their previous album, "Waves," oh. and it it does this thing where, you know, the song kind of has one feeling that it's going with, where it's again like subdued and and maybe feels a little more a little more depressing i guess you could say in the vibe and then the bridge hits and even though the lyrics i think maybe aren't getting any happier the the sound just feels more hopeful it's one of the few songs in recent years that i've actually learned to play on guitar like start to finish i don't really do that a lot yeah. um, but i was like this one i just i just had to um, and yeah it, it's got this this really neat like release sort of feeling as it gets into the end of the song where it's like you're, you're almost waiting for that part of the song to come up and um yeah once it hits you're just like all right like here we are and then finally the, the last song i want to talk about is a song called hudson and i wish i could say that this song was where we got the name of my like for our son yeah um, however this record came out two years after he was born oh, so okay. <laughs> his name as a side note um we actually like i kind of like got inspired from uh, the song Marching Bands of Manhattan by Death Cab for Cutie. And they mentioned the Hudson, of course, talking about the Hudson River. I was like, oh, Hudson. Anyway, um, so this song is called Hudson. I don't know what it has to do with Hudson, if it has anything to do with the Hudson River or anything. I don't know, but, or just someone named Hudson that they knew. Um, This song's insane, though. It starts like an explosion. Like most songs I find on this record kind of gently lead you in. And this one, in if I recall on the vinyl, it's actually the track one on side two, which was weird to me because I assumed it would have been the last track on side one, just the way the song ends. It kind of like goes on with this like huge like outro that kind of drones and kind of goes like just massive guitars and drums and really would have felt like the way to end a side of a record. But yeah. instead it starts, it starts side two yeah, and side two the last few songs on the record kind of take more of a mellow feel to them. So it's extra weird that this song is like leading into all of that, but it's, yeah, I think the first few times I heard it, I was kind of like, what's going on with the end of this song. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, Oh, the end of this song is incredible. Like it's just absolutely massive in scope. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's beyond good. So I would definitely recommend, yeah, checking out the self-titled album from moving mountains. The only problem is when you search it up, you're always going to get Usher. Usher has a song called Moving Mountains. So that, it's like... the next always, best thing. You're you always got to sift... <laughs> yeah, you got to sift through the Usher uh, songs. But hey, this record is worth sifting through. Yeah. You'll be listening to Usher and you'll be like, okay, it's got to be coming sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where, he was talking about this. Like, it was so good. And I, all I'm hearing is like R&B. <laughs> he said it's at the end of the song, so I'm just going to keep listening and wait for it. <laughs> It's eventually going to be here. I know it. I know it. Um, but yeah, no, this easily my all one of, if not my all-time favorite record. Awesome. And this was one that I thought I was like, I'm, I'm wondering what Aaron's going to think of this record because it's going to be the one that's most, 
outside of what we typically talk about as far as music is concerned on this show. Yeah, it was definitely the hardest one for me to, <laughs> to digest out of the three. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was kind of a dreary day out today, and and I was sifting through uh, financial numbers at work and working on stuff. So it was. It, it kind of fit okay. Like I kind yeah. of like wasn't feeling amazing and had a headache, and so I was like, you know, this this kind of this kind of fits fits the yeah. mood. So yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah, like I said, it's probably not something I would go back to and listen to, but. That's okay. Yeah, there's still, it's, still yeah. lots of good to take away from it. Yeah, I, I'd say if you're anyone who's like a fan of maybe like the Appleseed Cast sort of thing, especially like two conversations era Appleseed Cast, that kind of stuff, like give it a listen. Um, but yeah, so I think, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna wrap up us talking about the quarantine music that we want you to go listen to. We've rambled on for quite some time though, um, so <laughs> we. I don't know, Pre- like recording David right now is not sure if you're going to hear a clip at the end of this. You may hear one or two clips, but know that um, of, of other artists or podcasters suggesting albums. Know this. There is a ton of suggestions coming um, oh. in, in, a, in part two of this episode. Um, it all just, it's, it, I was blown away and surprised. So I'm going to say to wrap up our end of this, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for checking out the show. Um, of course, you know, during this time, definitely stay home. If you, if you don't need to be going out, don't go out, all that kind of stuff. Listen to music. It's an opportunity to listen to tons of great music and please tell your friends about the show. Um, there's only one way to really spread this about, and that's you telling your friends, share the show around. Uh, that would be fantastic. Even this episode to be like, yo, check out these, these records. These guys are talking about maybe some good stuff to pick up here. Um, Wherever you're listening to the podcast, rate it, review it, subscribe, that kind of stuff, and go follow us on our social medias uh, at Growing Punk Pod on both Instagram and Twitter, and you will find our personal Instagram and Twitter's linked there as well. Um, but without rambling on too much longer, that is going to do it. So bye bye. Yeah. Never here. No, I was here. I followed the bug here. I've always been here.